I think a common enough experience among those who are going through trial and who are trying to make sense of it is to actually feel rather inadequate or even guilty for not being spiritual enough and not being mature enough to process the situation. But there's no need to feel hesitant in any way in coming to the Father. He will give the wisdom we need as we ask in faith. You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you've joined us today as we continue to look at becoming steadfast and wise in facing the trials of life. And Jonathan, sometimes a trial does hit us so sideways that we don't know what to do. But I hear you saying that when that time comes, the first thing to do is actually to go to the Lord and ask for wisdom. Well, that's the invitation here in James chapter 1, and it's really interesting to kind of see the connections in the text and the flow of what James is teaching here. He starts out by talking about trials and how we respond to them, and and he follows on immediately with a statement which is is perhaps one of the better-known statements in James. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's the fifth verse of the first chapter, and very often, if we know that verse, we don't connect it to what's come before, which is the challenge of trials. But when we think about all that together, we realize, actually, this, this makes so much sense, because in the midst of trial and difficulty, when something just hits us sideways, as, as you mentioned, Steve, often the first feeling we have is, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how to navigate this, no idea how to respond to it. And our, our first need actually is wisdom from above. And the great promise here in, in James 1 is that God will give that wisdom if we come to him in humility, and how often we need to do that. Well, we're going to look at this more from the book of James. If you have a Bible handy, join us in chapter 1 as we continue a message called How to Become Steadfast and Wise. Here is Jonathan. To be perfect and complete speaks of reaching a goal, reaching a destination. You think perhaps, follow me in this if you can, think of a car on the assembly line in in the factory. From, from the base of the frame to the structure being built to the panels going on to the paint being applied to the seats being bolted down to the panels going on to the transmission and engine being fitted to the electronics that controls the wires, the tubes, the final touches of trim and chrome and then the car rolling off the line gleaming and finished a complete product ready for the dealership floor. You and I, we are works in progress. There's still a fair amount of rough material there, raw material. The maturity, the holiness, the conformity to the likeness of Jesus, these all need to be added, shaped, molded, perfected. We don't roll off the line fully until we reach heaven, until glory. But all the while, as we travel through this life, there is work happening. We are progressing further on down the line, a little bit further each day. Now, in the car plant, if you've ever seen one or visited one, much of the work is done by robots these days. It's very fascinating. It's extraordinary to watch the process. In our case, no robots involved, but so much of the work is done so often by trial and by difficulty. Those are some of the mechanisms that God uses. That's how the edges of sin and immaturity are often knocked off. It's how the shape of character is so often rounded. It's how the frame of our faith is strengthened and reinforced for the road ahead. And James says to us, let steadfastness have its full effect. 
That is, be patiently trusting as the process rolls forward. Don't try and jump off the assembly line and, and, and run for the door. Have confidence, the quiet confidence that God is shaping you, moving you forward, making you to be the person he created you to be. See, that's what God does. It's how he uses the various trials that his people will face. And so says James, when you encounter trial, do that counterintuitive, strange-seeming thing. Do that seemingly impossible thing. Count it all joy. And friends, I'm just so conscious today that so many among us will be facing trials of varying kinds right now. That's where you are. That's, that is your present experience. It sums it up very, very well. It's a time of trial. And you look at the situation you're facing right now, and it seems all loss, no gain, all pain, no purpose. And the Lord calls you through James to conduct a faith life audit today. A life audit where you, you take that loss item and you put it in a different category, in a different column. Not, not a category, not a column marked happiness. No, that would be flippant, but a column marked joy. Knowing, trusting, believing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and leads to spiritual completeness in the end. When you encounter trial, count it all joy. Next, when you encounter trial, ask God for wisdom. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. First glance, it may not be entirely obvious how verse 5 is connected to verse 4. I wonder if you're wondering that yourself. James tends to move from idea to idea pretty quickly, and it can be a challenge to keep up with him sometimes. I think we'll find that throughout the letter. But the thought is actually linked. I believe there is a connection here. You remember that in verse 4, the goal of trial is to become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We just said that. But when we go through times of difficulty and trial, suffering, grief, loss, one thing we may feel that we lack is the insight and perspective to make sense of what is actually going on. To put it another way, we might say that we lack wisdom for the occasion. And that, that's a common enough experience as believers, and I know this as a pastor. We can hit a wall of suffering where we feel just lost within it for a time. We don't know what to make of it. Believers who know the Lord and who know his word can still feel totally bewildered when suffering comes. And maybe that, that's where you are today. Maybe that is precisely your situation. This thing, this circumstance, this experience, it's, it's come into your life and it's, it's tearing through like a tornado. And, and you feel everything is upside down and backwards. You don't know how to begin to process, to think about this. And so says James, in such a situation, when trial comes, you don't know what to do. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom... How do I respond to this? What do I make of it? What is my framework for understanding? What is the road forward? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. God's very character is the one who gives generously. He is a generous God. And when you need a gift that he longs to give to you, there is one thing to do and one thing only, ask him, and he will give without reproach. I think a common enough experience among those who are going through trial and who are trying to make sense of it as believers, struggling to know how to think biblically, 
and spiritually about it. One common enough experience is to actually feel rather inadequate or even guilty for not being spiritual enough and not being mature enough to process the situation. But there's no need to feel hesitant in any way in coming to the Father. The one who is generous, our Father above, he gives, James says, without reproach. There's no reproach from him as we ask him. He will give the wisdom we need as we ask in faith. There is a condition, though, attached to this promise that God will give the wisdom that's needed. Just notice that with me, verse 6. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I had a rather wonderful experience at the passport office this week. If any of you work at the passport office, that's a little shout out for you. I had to have a, an official copy of my passport made to file another document. That's another story. But anyway, I was bracing myself for this to be a painful and very drawn out, time-consuming experience. In fact, I've been putting it off for months because I was quite sure that it would end up being a headache. But, but this, this week anyway, I, I, I went in. Having made an appointment, having filled out the form I needed to fill in, I arrived at the office got my number, waited my term, handed my paperwork to the agent when my number came up. I noticed on the paperwork that it said there would be a 10-day wait for them to produce the document, but I was really hoping it might be a little quicker. The, I, I sort of needed it to be a little quicker than that. The agent was unusually helpful and kindly as it happened. He asked if I preferred to have the document mailed out to me or if I would come back for it. I, I, I said, look, if there is any way I can come back for this without you know, booking an appointment or waiting in line for hours, I'd love to do that. But I was thinking to myself, I know what's going to happen here. This is going to be 10 days. I'll then have to wait two days to get a call back to book an appointment. I'll then arrive and have to wait three hours to see someone just to pick up this piece of paper. I was practically ready to say to him, look, just, just say no to me, put me out of my misery, send me on my way. I get it. It's going to be a long time. I barely got the words out to ask, and I was bracing for rejection, of course. And he leaned over to his colleague, had a quiet word with her, and came back to me immediately with a smile and said, look, let us, let us work on this now. We will have it ready for you by 2 o'clock today. When you come back at 2 o'clock, just walk past all the line of all those people waiting there. Go to that door. It's going to be waiting for you. How does that sound? Sorry, what? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> no appointment, no waiting, no nothing. Are you sure? Did you really mean that? <laughs> and as I walked away, the thing that struck me was this. The agent actually wanted to be helpful. <laughs> he wanted to do his best for me. And I, I hadn't been anticipating that spirit and that attitude. It took me by surprise, genuinely by surprise. I think it's possible, isn't it, to approach God in prayer, assuming that he is inclined dispositionally to say no, inclined to ignore our pleas, inclined to shut the doors of heaven to us, inclined to leave us out there in the cold. But James says, no, no, come to him in faith. Come to him not in disbelief. Come to him in a posture of trust, believing that he is your loving heavenly father who longs to give you good gifts, believing that he is the God of generosity who will not reproach you for asking him. Come to him in faith. And friends, I can only imagine, I don't know your life situation for many of you, I can only imagine this is a very timely encouragement for a great many of us. 
If I ask for a little show of hands, I won't do this, but if I ask for a little show of hands of how many among us are facing today some kind of trial, some kind of test for which we desperately need the Lord's wisdom, I think many hands would go up, wouldn't they? I think many, many among us would say, you know, that is precisely my situation today. That is where I'm at, and that is my need. And if that's you, let me just encourage you. Don't assume that God intends to leave you in the dark, that heaven is closed to you. It's so easy to go down that rather dark line in our thinking. No, believe that heaven is open to you if you're a child of God through faith in Jesus. Assume, believe that God is ready and willing and able to give you the wisdom you need to navigate the situation that you face, to walk with him through the darkest trial and to navigate what is yet to come. In fact, any other posture, James shows us, is a posture of unbelief. To doubt God's willingness and ability to help his children is to be unstable in faith, he says, tossed by the waves of the sea. And if we come without faith, And ask and don't believe, James says, we're double-minded. We're kind of half-believing people. There's almost a dishonesty about it. Unstable. If we come to God not trusting that he is able and willing to help, well, we can't expect to receive that help. And so the message is simple. The implication is simple. Trust that he's ready, willing, able to help you and come to him in faith, asking for the wisdom that he is only too ready to give. You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths and a message called How to Become Steadfast and Wise. It is part of our series, Doers of the Word from James 1. We'll get back to the message in just a moment, so I hope you'll stay with us. You know, Encounter the Truth is able to stay on this station because of your generosity. And as you give a gift to support this month, we want to send you a book that Jonathan has written. It is called The Ministry Medical. Now, when you take a look at what Paul wrote to Timothy in the book of 2 Timothy, these were instructions and even a personal model for faithful ministry, really a standard for every generation. But how can you and I use these today? Well, that's what Jonathan's book is all about. We'd love to send you a copy as our way of saying thank you for your financial support. You can find out more or give online when you come to EncounterTheTruth.org or call us at 833-99-TRUTH. That's one 833 998-7884 or EncounterTheTruth.org Well, if you join us a little bit late, we're in the book of James, chapter 1, so grab a Bible and meet us there as we get back to the message. Here is Jonathan. Now this next paragraph, verses 9 through 11, are now an illustration of the kind of wisdom that God gives us to live through all these highs and lows of life. As before, James seems to be kind of shifting gear here a little bit uh, abruptly, and we might think, is there a connection? How is, is this just random? No, no, no. I think he is showing us how God's wisdom gives us the divine perspective we need for our particular circumstances. And he's got an example of, of a particular type of circumstance. Follow it with me. Verse 9. He says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls, its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Here's what's going on, I think. Our economic situation in life can often bring us into times of spiritual testing, even of spiritual trial. 
That's obviously the case if we face a time of lowliness, a time when our economic situation is tight and we struggle to make ends meet. It is less obviously the case for the rich, and we might find it quite odd to think of riches as bringing any kind of trial. But actually, as we consider that, I think more believers have entered spiritual crisis through having too much than through having too little. Gaining economic riches can be the greatest spiritual test, actually, that a believer will face. And it brings plenty of temptation, plenty of its own trouble, and sadly, plenty of spiritual ruin. And James says, here are two extremes. And in these two extremes, in the tests and trials they bring, here is a place where we need God's perspective. Here is a place where we need God's wisdom and we need it desperately. For the lowly believer, the one facing economic difficulty and need, here is what wisdom looks like. Here is what it looks like to navigate this with God's perspective. Let such a brother or sister boast in their exaltation. Hold on now. (laughs) Sounds a little odd. How can that make any sense at all? This believer is short of cash. That is stressful. Others can see perhaps that they're struggling. It's humbling. It's embarrassing, maybe. But what does God's word tell us? What is the wisdom from God for our situation? If we belong to Christ, if we are his by faith, well, if that's our situation, if that's our identity, then we are co-heirs with Christ. We will reign with him. We have been given spiritual riches, riches untold in and through Jesus. Think about it. Our sins have been forgiven. We've been justified before the Father through a merit not our own. We will live forever with him in glory. If the bank account is running a little bit low, you're you're nowhere near keeping up with the Joneses. There are bills coming. You don't know how to pay. It's tough and frankly stressful. It's a little bit scary. Here is the outlook of faith, the perspective of divine wisdom. You have a wonderful situation in Christ before the Father. You have a Savior who gave his life for you, who loves you and who will provide for you. You have a future in glory. Rejoice, friend, in your exaltation. For the believer who has riches in this world and for whom the management of those riches is becoming a trial of its own, the relational strain that the money has brought you, strain among business partners, strain within the family as different interests and agendas for the wealth start to emerge, the spiritual test you're going through as the money is now drawing the cords of your heart and your cooling and your love for the Lord, you see it happening. For that believer, for you, if any of that resonates in any way with you, and I suspect it does for a number, here is the perspective of divine wisdom. Boast in your humiliation. What does that mean? Sounds a little odd. Here's what it means, I think. Come back to basics. Come back to the cross of Calvary. Remember that you are a sinner 
saved by grace. One whose sin is so serious that the Lord Jesus Christ needed to shed his own blood to deal with your crisis, to cleanse you, to redeem your life from the very pit. See yourself in the light of God's own word, in the light of the gospel that brings you low before it raises you up. And remember that your riches do not have lasting spiritual value in and of themselves. If all you are is a rich person in this world, if your money and your goods were your identity and that was it, if your wealth was your everything, if you had money but not Jesus, and plenty have that, if that was your situation, you would have no future. Verse 11. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Don't view yourself through the lens of wealth that is here today and will be gone tomorrow. Rejoice that you are a sinner who has found grace at the foot of the cross. Rejoice in your lowliness, your humiliation. Rejoice that Jesus has found you there. That's the perspective of divine wisdom. That's the wisdom that you and I need if we're going to navigate the spiritual test and the seasons of trial. The hard truth for each one of us here is simply this. We are either going through trial at the present time or we are needing to prepare ourselves for trials that are just around the corner. We may have seasons of reprieve and enjoy that if that is your season right now. But we all face trials of different kinds in differing seasons of life. How do we navigate those as believers? Well, James says we count it as joy. All of it joy. Because we know that our loving God is using our trials. Uses them, never wastes them. So that we may become steadfast, perfect, complete in glory. We count it joy and we ask for wisdom, the wisdom that only God can give, the wisdom that will enable us to live through trial and make sense of trial. It may be, I have no idea, it may be that you have joined us here today because you are going through something and you just don't know how to face it. You've encountered a situation and it's blindsided you and you had nowhere else to go and you're among us today, you're listening today because you needed something. You needed some way through this, some hope and some help. And if that's you, as we close, let me just say to you, the place to begin, the place to find hope and help is to come to Jesus by faith and to enter into relationship with him. Believers can have confidence that the Lord will use every trial and provide wisdom to navigate every trial. And if you want that help and you want that assurance for yourself personally, you need to begin by placing your trust in Jesus. You need to come to him by faith. He gave his life at the cross of Calvary to pay the price of your sin and to welcome you into relationship with him. And, and that's the place to begin, by putting your trust in the one who loves you and who will guide you and keep you through all the ups and downs, if you will, but trust him. Will you turn to him? Will you trust him today? Jonathan Griffiths here on Encounter the Truth, a message called How to Become Steadfast and Wise. It's part of a larger series called Doers of the Word, 
where we're taking a look at James chapter 1, the first 11 verses today. If you missed any part of this broadcast, you can always come and you can listen online. You can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. Our website address, EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, Encounter the Truth is able to be on this station because you give and you support this ministry. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you a book that Jonathan has written. It's called The Ministry Medical, and it's taken from the book of 2 Timothy. Jonathan, why did you write this book? Well, I wrote this book really sensing that the lessons that are found in 2 Timothy about the nature of Christian ministry and Christian leadership are lessons that we really need today. Those who are in any kind of Christian leadership, any form of Bible teaching ministry, I personally found a deep dive study in 2 Timothy to be so helpful to me in my ministry. And I wanted to share really some of the uh, gleanings and the observations that the Lord had given me through that study. So that, that was the purpose of the book. Well, we'd love to send you a copy of this book, The Ministry Medical, A Health Check from 2 Timothy. It's our way of saying thank you for your financial support. To give a gift online, come visit our website, EncounterTheTruth.org, or call us at 833-998-7884. That might be easier to remember as 833-99-TRUTH, or again, our website is EncounterTheTruth.org. For producer Mark Bretta and our Bible teacher Jonathan Griffiths, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.